0: Welcome to CityReach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Now, as, as I really prayed about where to begin this year and look back at, at at last year, you know, we had a great year last year. We had a great year. God, God allowed us in the midst of a bad time to, to really uh, be able to do some great things. But But I don't believe we've ever really tapped into all that he has for us As a matter of fact I know we haven't and so so the uh, the, the passage I want to look at or the message I want to bring today is called unfinished business. Unfinished business it, you know you think about unfinished business it means that you know there's there's things that should be done that aren't done yet there, there's a sense that it's not yet, complete, you haven't yet fulfilled and lived out all that, uh, that God has planned for you. And Jesus, when he started out, and we just come out of, of spending a good bit of time in the Christmas story and Luke chapter 2, and in Luke chapter 2, toward the end of Luke 2, we have recorded the actual very first words of Jesus. Not, that probably wasn't his first words because he was 12 years old. But it's the first words we have recorded. And when we read those, we read them and get an understanding that from the very beginning, even before Jesus started into his ministry, he had an awareness that he was here to fulfill what the Father had planned for him. And if you'll remember the story, this the PowerPoint's throwing me because I didn't, that's not my PowerPoint, but... Okay, <laughs> David, I know you're throwing me off my game here, but that's all right. So in Luke 2, if you remember the story, oh, there we go. See, mine just don't have all the flair David's do, but uh, I like his. Uh, so if you remember the story in, in Luke chapter 2, and we won't read the whole thing, but verses 41 through 50 is that his parents, it says, went to the, uh, the Feast of Passover. Now, there were certain feasts that the Jews had to attend every year. There was three, Passover is one of them. It says his parents went every year. And when Jesus was 12, he joins them. So you can just imagine, here he is at his first Passover. And he goes, and when the feast is over, it says that they leave and they start on their way home. And his parents are about a day into the journey home, and they they, they just think, oh, you know, Jesus, he's 12 years old. Any 12-year-old or any parents of 12-year-olds here? Right, so you can understand that the average 12-year-old is, you know, they're busy, right? They're into this, they're doing that, they're, they're running with their friends, you know. If, if Jesus had a cell phone, he'd have probably been texting and snapping and doing all the things normal 12-year-olds do. So his parents, they leave, and about a day into the journey, they think, well, he's probably with friends, relatives, he's probably in, in you know, with our posse here, and all of a sudden they ask around, Jesus is nowhere to be found. So they turn around, and they go back, and they find him in the temple. And they find him in the temple, and he's there with the the teachers of the law, it says that he is asking them questions and he's learning from them. And his parents, let's go to the next slide. It says, Now it was so that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Now, have you ever lost your kids that you want to admit to? Or in purpose? I've done that too. Matter of fact, sometimes you just turn the blind eye and like, I just don't want to know. Well, I don't want to know where they are. But, but sometimes when you're responsible for watching your kids, and you, maybe you're in the supermarket, maybe you're at the, the store, or the fair, or whatever, and all of a sudden you look around and there's that instant panic, right? <laughs> and I'm sure Mary, I mean, Mary was a great woman, but I'm sure she was probably like most women today and probably like my wife. When this happens, what does the wife always do? It was your turn to watch him, Joseph. Right? I'm sure, I'm sure that conversation took place. So as soon as the kids are lost, the dad always gets the blame. And so they said, you know, where were you? Do you not realize that we've been stressed out looking for you for three days? Jesus doesn't even offer an apology. He doesn't say, yeah, I'm sorry. He may have, but it doesn't record it. What it records him saying, and the point I want to start here with, is from a very young age, even before he started in the ministry. Remember, he's 12 years old. He had an awareness of his purpose in life. He had an awareness that there was business that needed attended to. And he says, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? It wasn't that, you know, you know, I, I probably should do this. I know it's the right thing to do. For crying out loud, I, I, I was born to die. But, yeah. I don't know if I'm getting it or not. No. He says, I must be about my father's business. There was a certainty to it, there was an urgency to it. That he had this awareness that God had created him for a reason, God sent him for a reason, and that his mission in life would be to be about his father's business. So, you know, I'm sure that, and, 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 I'm sure like any parent, you know, the dad, his dad, at least his physical dad, his stepdad, Joseph, was a carpenter. You know, and it was very natural at this point in time that the son would begin to follow the footsteps of the dad. I can appreciate this scene because one time uh, when we lived on Fayette Street, Kristen and I, of course, I'm sure it was my turn to watch my son Frederick, I don't know, but uh, he got lost so it must have been my turn. So we're around the house. Hey, you seen Frederick? You seen Frederick? No. And so we're running around. Frederick, Frederick, and upstairs, downstairs, down in the basement, checking the, the crawl space and you know, everywhere. Can't find him. I run outside, and what do you always tell kids? Don't talk to strangers. And guess what my son was doing. Not only was he out sitting on the wall on Fayette Street talking to strangers, he's introducing himself and shaking hands. I was like, son, what are you doing? Didn't we tell you not to run away? Didn't we tell you not to talk to strangers? Dad, I'm greeting customers. And so all of a sudden I went from being really aggravated to, oh, kid's about his father's business. (laughs) You know, he's greeting customers. He's going, hi, I'm Frederick and you are, and he's shaking their hand thinking he saw his dad do it, and now he's doing it. But the time wasn't right, because he was like four years old. But there was this awareness, even from a young age, that there was something to step into. And so I wanted to start, start with this, because you know a lot of times when we think about the ministry of Jesus, and Jesus says, I must be about my father's business, he's 12 years old, And we know that the day he hangs on the cross, right before he gives up the ghost, he says what? It is finished. But was that the end? It was the end of his ministry, but the beginning of ours. It was the end of him fulfilling what he came to do, but the beginning of what God's called us to do. And after he resurrects from the grave, now, This took place when he was how old? Twelve. How old was Jesus when he died? Thirty-three. How many years between twelve and thirty-three? Twenty-one. What year is it? Twenty-one. We're going to fast forward twenty-one years. We're going to fast forward from a Passover that took place when Jesus was twelve to a Passover that took place when Jesus was thirty-three. Because what we find at this Passover, when he's 33, resurrection morning, the same weekend, 21 years later, we find the disciples huddled in a room like fish. Let explain this for a minute. They're not like fish. You ever seen some people that go fishing, but they drop like a bomb or an electric charge in the, in the water? <laughs> and what's it do to the fish? It stuns them, right? And they all float to the top. And then they go around and pick them up and eventually the stun wears off and the fish go back to being fish. I feel like the scene that takes place in John chapter 20, these disciples, they see Jesus' ministry, they minister with Him, He dies, He's gone, and they're like fish that just had a bomb dropped in the lake. And they're stunned. Go to the next slide. And I really feel like it's a lot where we've been left after 2020. You know, we've had this bomb go off, a worldwide pandemic. It's left us stunned, almost they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my purpose is anymore. The ministry that I used to have doesn't exist now. It says that they were gathered together behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. And I really feel like it speaks to where the church is today. We're gathering behind closed doors because of fear. And I realize there's still a virus out there. But there's a virus greater than Corona and it's called sin. There's 60 million people dying every year worldwide of natural causes, and the majority of them are going to hell. That's a greater pandemic than anything we could ever experience. And the mission is still the mission. And so Jesus appears to these disciples that are gathering behind closed doors because they're scared, and he says, boys! It ain't over. I'm still here, and there's still a job to be done. He didn't really say that. He said, peace. (laughs) He says, peace be unto you. Let's just read this. It says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. What chapter is this? John what? What verse is it? No. What one's highlighted? You can remember this for 2021. You got it? How many years from the time Jesus celebrated his first Passover to this one? 21 years. This is John 20, 21. I'm not trying to draw a bunch of number numerology, but I just want to give you a way to remember that I believe this is what Jesus is still saying to us today. He says, hey, get out from behind the closed doors. Quit sitting around like you're a bunch of sissies. And I'm, I'm here, and there's still a mission to do. And the same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. It's time to get out. Quit sitting here scared and get out there. He says, "As the Father sent me, so send I you." The word "sent" is the Greek word "apostello." It means apostle. It means one sent out. It means to be sent out with a mission. Sent out with with a purpose. To be commissioned. And Jesus says the same way as, the same way, just as, in the same manner, in proportion to the way the Father commissioned me, I'm commissioning you. It's not over because I resurrected, it just started. My, my business is finished. Yours is just beginning. And you've got to get outside of the walls of the closed doors to do it. You can't do it here, congregating with your little small group, talking about how bad things are. So I want to give you three points today, because Jesus says the same way as the Father sent me out, as the Father commissioned me, I'm sending you the same way. I'm giving you a mission. And there's things we can look about the way Jesus was sent that we can apply to our lives today the way that He still sends us. Things that were present in His life that need to be and should be present in your life. So three things today. I'll go ahead and give them to you now. Jesus was anointed. These all start with A. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was adamant about finishing and fulfilling God's will for his life. Excuse me. And the final thing was, he was aware of the clock. He was aware of the clock. Anointed with the Holy Spirit, adamant about fulfilling the Father's will. He was aware of the clock. Alright, let's look at the first one. Jesus, as he starts his ministry, he's in the temple and he picks up and he reads from Isaiah and he reads this passage. It says, The Spirit of the Lord has, uh, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has done what? After he anointed me, he sent me. Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this word anoint means to It's it's the Greek word krio. It means to smear on, to rub on. The name Jesus Christ, Christos, comes from the word krio. So Jesus Christ literally means Jesus the anointed one, or Jesus the one smeared with the Holy Spirit. See, in John chapter 20, Jesus says, Receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them. I believe that was the day they were saved. But he says, the day he ascends, he says, I want you to remain in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And he says, the day you receive the Holy Spirit is the day you receive power. Look at this. He says that he has sent me to what? Heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, Recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those are all things that you could do without the Holy Spirit. Wrong. Can you open blind eyes without the Holy Spirit? Can you free somebody that is bound up in some sort of addiction or bondage without the power of the Holy Spirit? See, if Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what God called him to do, don't you? I mean, he came as a man, laid aside everything of his, all of his God qualities, lays them aside to give us an example of what it looks like. To be in right relationship with the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he says, The works that I do, you'll do even greater. And if I've been called to do greater works than Jesus, and he needed the Holy Spirit, don't you think we need the Holy Spirit? It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, speaking of his humanity, that he was Jesus of Nazareth. It doesn't say the Son of God. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. a lot of us talk about, you know, you read 1 John and you hear about the spirit of Antichrist. Have you ever heard of Antichrist? It says the spirit of Antichrist, those who deny Jesus, come in the flesh. But you know, I think there's a spirit of Antichrist in many churches today. Christ means anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, most churches aren't anti-Jesus. A lot of churches, though, are anti-Christ, anti-anointing, anti-power. See, they're okay with a great theological message, but not a supernatural encounter. And they'll do anything to talk you out of the power of God that is available here and now. They're okay with the power of God in the past, They're okay with the power of God in in some far corner of the world. But God forbid the power of God is in City Reach, Cumberland, or in Cumberland, Maryland. Spirit of Antichrist is anti-anointing. I won't allow it here. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to do what He's called us to do. See, if you think that you can fulfill your call, your ministry in life, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, then you've settled for less than God's called you to. Oh, I feel like I'm called to feed the poor. Well, you know what? So does a hundred other unsaved people. And I'm not saying feeding the poor is bad, because we need to feed the poor. But we need to feed the poor and pray that they're healed and saved and set free. See, don't sell yourself short doing what an unsaved person can do or even a saved person not filled with the power of God. Because for you to live to your full potential to finish your mission that God's called you to, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a great quote by a guy from probably died 60, 70 years ago. I don't know exactly. A.W. Tozer. Maybe Anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer? Listen to this quote. I'm going to read it to you. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. See, if, if what we do doesn't, if we don't need the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even know He's gone. He said if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. The Holy Spirit is the difference maker. See, He's the one who empowers and equips and gives you the ability to do what you don't have the ability to do. You need to set your sights higher than what you can do on your own. Because that's what God's called you to do. The other things are great. I love handing out clothes. I love feeding people. I love doing all that, but that needs to be the doorway to tell him about Jesus and the freedom that he brings. Jesus was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, Jesus was adamant about fulfilling God's will for his life. As Jesus said to them, my food is to do, literally, my nourishment. The thing that nourishes me, the thing that feeds me, is to do the will of him who sent me. So in the fact that he's anointed and sent, there's nourishment that takes place in doing the very thing that God sent you to do. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to what? Finish. I'm not a good finisher. My wife will attest to that. I might put drywall mud on the wall, and a year later, man, I might get go sand it, and a year later after that, put a little more mud on. Matter of fact, we had, a, we had a, uh, a curtain rod pull out of the wall over the weekend. I won't say who did that. wasn't me. But guess who gets to fix it? Yeah, I do. So I said, oh, I'll mud dead up, oh, baby. She goes, oh, that'll never happen. She said, I'll probably be looking at that mud three years from now. But, so I'm committed. I'm committed. Today, I'm painting it. But see, Jesus was adamant. Adamant just means that he was determined, that there was no way that you were going to talk him out of what God called him to do. See, a lot of people say, yeah, I want to do God's will. I want to do what God called me to do till something better comes along. I want to to live my mission. I want want to be sent when it's easy. See, when Jesus said this in John chapter 4, it says that Jesus was leaving Judea and going to Galilee. Now the Jews... The straightest point between Judea and Galilee was through Samaria. The Jews never went through Samaria, ever, because the Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't get along, they didn't talk, they just didn't like each other. But Jesus, early in John chapter 4, says, I must go through Samaria. I got to believe that the Holy Spirit said, I know that's not the way to go, I know that's not the normal path but I've got a plan for you in Samaria. And Jesus says, I need to go through Samaria. You know why I needed to go through Samaria? Because there was a woman that would meet him at the well who needed to know about living water. See, sometimes when God tells you to do something, It's to go to people that you don't like. God, if I could just go to Pastor Jay, that would be great. But I don't want to go to... I'm not going to say it. Right? God, just don't call me to go to them. Don't send me there Don't make me go through Samaria because I don't like that ethnic group. I don't like those people. I don't like the way he looks. She smells. See, we want to do God's will when it's easy. But when God calls you out of your comfort zone to take the path less traveled through a city that you don't like, to people that you can't stand, to talk to a woman... At the time when men didn't even speak to women. Jesus says, I need to go because God told me to go. He goes on to tell her about living water. And she says, I want this living water. And eventually he says, hey, I, and she said, I've heard about the Messiah. He said, hey, I'm the Messiah. And I love what he says. He says, go tell your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. She goes, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) Hmm. But she does. She goes back to the city of Sychar, where she's from. She says, come see a man who has told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And if you read to the end of John chapter 4, verse 39, here is a woman had been married and divorced five times, living in sin with a guy now who comes to meet Jesus. Goes back to her city, says, come meet the guy They just gave me living water. And verse 39 says, many of the people of Samaria believed in Him because of her word." And it says, then the men of the city came out and asked him to stay, and he stayed two more days, and many more people believed, in verse 40, it says, because of his word. So not only did he have to go to a place he didn't want, but he had to stay there for two days, because it was God's will, not just to reach her, but because he took time to go where he shouldn't have had to go to reach her, that she went and witnessed to people and many people got saved and more people came to him and he stays two more days and many more people get saved. Because he made one right decision that he says, I'm going to do what God says no matter what. So you don't know the ramifications of one good decision. You don't know that if I say yes this one time to God's will, it might be uncomfortable, it might be a place that I don't like, people I don't like, but that one person might be the stepping stone to seeing a whole city get delivered. Nobody's insignificant. Every person you come in contact with, you should think, this could be the next Billy Graham. This could be the person that turns Cumberland upside down. And I played a part because I did what God called me to do is it easy no I'm not gonna lie to you but Jesus set out with the determination that he was gonna do God's will no matter what he says I don't seek to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And that's what you got to say. He's like, okay, God, I got a will, but I'm going to surrender it. So you'll never fulfill all that God has for you until you surrender your own will. See, there's a thing about surrendering your will and saying, I'll do whatever you got for me to do, I don't care where it sends me who it sends me to, what it looks like, how long it takes, where i got to stay, there's people dying. Next slide. You can never fully accomplish His will until you're willing to surrender yours. See, was it easy? No. Think about Jesus. When He gets to the very end of His ministry, the night before He goes to the cross, He takes His disciples, He says, wait here while I go pray, and what's he do? He says, Father, if there be any way that this cup could pass from me, let it be so. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours will be done. And he didn't just pray once, he prayed it three times. In the midst of that, he, he goes, he finds his disciples sleeping, he says, hey, I get it, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I don't think he's talking about flesh as in the thing that causes you to sin. I think he's just talking about the human frailty. That he even, think about this. Jesus physically didn't want to go to the cross because he asked his father if there was another way. Spiritually, he knew he had to do it, he knew it's what he was called to do. He said, I want to do something else. Is there a plan B? No. Are you sure? Yes. Are are you sure? Yes. Okay. And that's where you got to be that you got to say, I don't care. If it's not what I want, I'm willing. I'm adamant. You're not getting me off this. You can't move me. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. It's just too often we want to only do it till it gets tough or while it's easy, until something better or, or fancier comes along. See, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about presenting your body a what? Living sacrifice. It says not to be conformed to the world. See, you're never going to fully understand and follow God's will living a worldly lifestyle. You got to present your body it says don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so you're not going to you, you're not going to get it doing and thinking crazy thoughts you got to say I'm willing I'm going to get my mind in the Word, I'm going to spend time in prayer, and I'm going to let you change me from the inside out so I'm able to walk into the thing you've called me to do. The New Living says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for who? Me? God's will for you. God's will for you is not God's will for me. Because God has a plan for you, just like he has a plan for me. And I'm going to let you in a little secret. Your plan's not better than his plan. It's terrible. What's God say? He says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways as the heavens are above the earth. Says his are so much better. Don't settle for this. This is your plans. These are his plans. You need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. You need to spend time renewing your mind, setting yourself apart from the world. So you can walk out that thing that God's called you to do. Finally, Jesus was aware of the clock. What's that mean? Any clock watchers in here? What time is it? Thank you, Devin. I knew you were a clock watcher. <laughs> Everybody say thank you, Devin. Now, I think there's two types of clock watchers in the world. There's those that play sports, and there's those that go to work. You're one one of those two people. Maybe you're both. But athletes are constantly aware of what? Clock. Because the game eventually ends. Final whistle blows. Game's over. See, in John chapter 9, Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is company when no man can work. Earlier in this story, he he comes to to a guy that is blind from birth. And the disciples say, uh, Rabbi, did this man sin or did his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus says, Neither, but so that the works of God may be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because night is coming when no man can work. Jesus had an awareness that his mission had an expiration date. That there would come a time when he could no longer do what he was called to do because his time would be up. See, this guy that he runs into is blind from birth. And Jesus says, I need to heal him now. Because I may not have tomorrow. Now he did, but we may not. See, what happens a lot of times when we run into somebody who has been blind from birth, diseased from birth, been in addiction for 20 years, had cancer for how long? Been separated, running around for 15 years. We think, well, they've been doing it for 10 years. What's another day? He's been sick for 20 years. I still got tomorrow. He's had it all his life. What's another day? That person has no guarantee of another day any more than you do. There comes a time when your life's up. James says it like this. He says, what is life? It's but a vapor. Chris and I got up this morning. If you know, we live on a lake. And she looks out and she sees this small cloud hovering over the lake. And she says, what's that cloud? Of course, I said, oh, that's the Holy Ghost hovering over the waters. The, whole, the Spirit hovered across the waters. And it wasn't. I was just trying to be super spiritual. No, it was just, it was like steam on the water. Went back to the bathroom, came back, and guess what? It was gone. Wasn't there. See, most of us want to go about ministry with this mindset that, why do it today when I can do it tomorrow? Jesus says that there comes a time when you can no longer work. There comes a time when the daylight is up. And so that he always worked with this thought that there would be an expiration date. You know, the older I get, and some of you here are older than me, some are younger, but the older I get, the more aware I am of my clock. Now my plan is to live a hundred years. I don't know if that will or not but that's my plan. But every year I have more of an awareness of time. It goes quicker every year clicks off, clicks off, clicks off. You might be 20 years old, 30 years old. As you get older it gets faster. And I will tell you this, Every day is one less day you have to tell somebody about Jesus. Every day is one less day to lay hands on the sick. See, one time I knew that God nudged me to go pray for a guy. It was when Memorial Hospital was up here on the hill. I had known this guy my whole life. I'm almost certain that he was not saved. God said, go pray for him. Go talk to him about Jesus. And I said, I'll go tomorrow. I said I'll go tomorrow, Lord. And that guy died that day. Unless somebody shared Jesus with him. I don't know. But I do know that I didn't I wanted to wait till tomorrow. See, there's certain people in this world that have been assigned for you to tell about Jesus. They're never going to cross my path. They're not going to cross Pastor Jay's path, Kristen's path. They're going to cross your path. You got today. We're guaranteed today. Let's go to the last slide. I'm going to close with this. Not the last slide. Next next to the last slide. Back up one. Next one. Right there. So, today, my encouragement to you, my challenge to you, is that the mission isn't over. So the mission of City Reach, if you're a part of this body, is to reach the one who is far from God and help them become a passionate follower of Jesus. And I want to say this, as long as there's still unfinished business. As long as there's one, there's still unfinished business. One more day, one more hour, one more person, there's still unfinished business. See, Jesus is calling you to a level of ministry much higher than you ever imagined. You can't do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. At all. You can't do it without being adamant that I'm going to do this no matter what. I'm making the decision to follow Jesus' plan for my life. And in the back of your mind, you need to think that I need to work as if today's the last day. Because it might be that person's last day. You may not have another opportunity. Just bow your head. Nobody looking around. I just want to ask you, if you're here today and don't know Jesus, nobody looking, this this message is really for this church. But I don't want to ever not give somebody the opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior. So if that's you, you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father as your Father, you don't know that your sins are forgiven, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. He loves you unconditionally that he died for your sin he rose again the third day and he wants a relationship with you but it doesn't end there he has a plan for your life so if you don't know that or you want to you want to have a relationship with Jesus you can pray this father I, I realize I'm a sinner thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me and I receive him as my Savior today. And I want to live your plan for my life to its full. Amen. If you prayed that today. I asked you to come see me after service. If you did that online. I want you to send us a message. But I want to just pray for everybody here. Here's what I want to do. I want you to sit. Unless you say, I want to live God's plan for my life. And if you don't want to, there's no condemnation. But if you want to live life to the fullest, to what God's planned for you, I want you to stand up. and I want to pray for just those people. And if you don't want to stand up, don't do it because your neighbor's doing it. I want you to do it because you are serious about doing what God wants you to do. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to to say, you know, it just says ask and the Father mm-hmm. will give. You don't have to tarry, you don't have to do it, you just gotta ask. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you need recommitted to saying, I want to do what God's called me to do, I want to live with an awareness of, of, of time that, not to waste time, but to make the best use of every opportunity. Father God, I just speak your favor right now over these people, Lord. I thank you for their visible commitment to you. Father, I can only see standing up so you can see the hearts, the Father, I ask that their hearts would be pure, that, that, that what they want to do is really what they want to do. Holy Spirit, we just pray for those that need your power, that need your anointing, those that have never received the filling of your Holy Spirit, we just pray that even now, that you would fill them to the full. Father, for those that have have been baptized in the Spirit, we ask for a fresh filling, a fresh fire, fresh anointing, Lord, to fill them, to, to, to empower them to do great things. Lord, I just pray that we as a church would never say no that we'd always say yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit we'd always say yes to what you called us to do that Father we'd never try to do anything in our own ability but we would always rely on you Lord let us be aware that today could be the day that we may not have tomorrow do all we can do for you today While we have breath, Father, be glorified and honored in what we do as a church in this city, and let people say that they saw Jesus when they see us, and nothing less. That's in His name.